This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's Q&As. It is Thursday afternoon, and just a few things to note. First, I am using NVIDIA Broadcast to record this in real time, as one of the suggestions from last week was, so now we can try it out together. And also, as I was loading up all of these pages, I think a question disappeared. I believe it was on the YouTube support service, and I can't figure out how to get it back. I swear I didn't hit delete. <laughs> I don't know what happened. Maybe there wasn't a question and I just clicked on the wrong page, but I just wanted to remind everybody once again, I do not delete your questions. I never ignore anybody's questions. Uh, sometimes like, you know, cool Q&A, Bob, or something like those are appreciated, but you know, I, I would skip over those because it's not a question, but there's also still the problem of Patreon randomly deleting comments as well. I don't think it's deleting. I think it's a bug or sorts. They just deleted a ton of their staff, so there's no chance in hell of me getting any more support for it. Not that they did to begin with, but I just wanted to politely remind everybody, any question you have at all, just ask wherever it is that you support in the latest Q&A post, and I never intentionally miss them. So if there was a question missing, my bad, I'm sorry. But anyway, let's jump in and see what we got for this week. First up, over on Floatplane, a couple of things from RetroShawn. First, they just wanted to remind everybody that ArtiClean or ArcticClean is a two-step process. And mine arrived. I haven't tried it out yet. But yeah, I, I also realized that right as it arrived. It's number, labeled and numbered one and two. And uh, I don't... Yeah, I did get the one that came with the Arctic Silver in there. So I'll leave the link the same as last week's just for anybody that's interested. Uh, just because while I haven't tried this yet, and I usually would never recommend or talk about something that I haven't tried, uh, this seems like a pretty solid recommendation. Uh, so, you know, it certainly isn't going to harm anything. Is it that much better than using just isopropyl on a pad? We'll find out. But I have a feeling this is kind of going to be a useful thing for people that need to clean off a bunch of old thermal paste. So thank you for the suggestion and the clarification that you got to do it a two-step process. Read the instructions as always. One more from Sean over on Floatplane. Regarding Quantum Guitar's question about eARC, thenaudio.com has the Zone 2 and the Shark both take eARC and then offer an HDMI output that's meant to go to an older receiver that does not support ARC or eARC. And they own the Zone 2. It's not a perfect product, but this is the intended purpose. It's not super cheap, but it's not super expensive either. Thank you for the recommendation. I'll leave a link to that just in case anybody wants to try it out. But ARC and eARC and how they work and, uh, and accessories to go with them are still things that need ironing out. So it's cool to know products like this that work. Uh, I talked to one company about potentially tweaking something, uh, but we'll see where that goes. Hopefully that'll be a product that we could see next year. But I think both have pretty awesome potential, but we need more products that, that really utilize the format and could help us out. So thank you, Sean. And uh, maybe one of these days I'll get to try out that one. Now switching over to Patreon, Steve Wells wanted to continue the conversation from last week about desoldering tools. 
They said they threw out their pump-action powered desoldering gun as it was only a matter of time before it destroyed something, and removing caps from a PVM board was certainly a no-go. Well, thank you for confirming that. I mean, I'm sometimes overly critical of stuff that I don't like, but that was kind of a gut feeling. But on the flip side, if you just have one or two very small things that you need to desolder and you're on a budget, I'm sure they're fine. But if you are doing something like recapping a PVM or you plan on doing multiple desoldering work, uh, that I would always recommend getting some decent tools. And speaking of which, Steve also said they purchased the SS-331H that people were mentioning, and it seems to be a well-made unit. They should have bought one years ago. It works a treat and made short work of a major PVM recap job. So the only thing I wanted to ask was that the 220 volt version or the 120 volt version? Because I only found the 220 on Amazon when looking to place a link for people. And that would be a hesitation for me because I'm trying to make these, uh, make any of the stuff that I recommend as easy to get started with as possible. That's another reason why I still recommend the ZD915 is it works totally fine and it just plugs into any outlet. So if you wouldn't mind confirming, is there a 120 volt version or did you just plug it into a 220 socket and use it that way. Also, thanks very much for the kind words. Much appreciated. Next up, Cam wanted to chime in to correct a silly mistake that I keep making. Uh, Apparently, I keep referring to myself as an untrustworthy nerd when I mean to say I'm an untrusting nerd that always doubts hardware and wants to make sure things are okay. So uh, thank you, Cam. Uh, I'm not sure if I'll remember to make that correction in the moment. There's some words I just always fumble, but that was an, an embarrassing mistake that I do often make. So uh, <laughs> thanks, Cam. JP Brunel wants to know if there's any good database or reference website on CRT models with their specs. All they could find was Andy King's website, crtdatabase.com, but very few CRTs are listed. So I have a couple of responses to that. First of all, Andy's site is great. I think that's his own wiki that he just adds to based on the work that he's personally done, which is awesome, by the way. So that one's great. But uh, also the consolemods.org wiki is the one that we've copied almost all the stuff from RetroRGB over. I'm going to start. Uh, I, it's going to take till winter before I have time to get to this, but I'll start re redoing all the pages on retro RGB to post to either post directly to, or forward directly to console mods or have a new summary page rather than describing the mods, describing why you would need the mod and then linking to the console mods page. Um, so, you know, this is one of those things where no disrespect whatsoever to Andy. I mean, keep doing whatever he feels like doing, but this is the, the wiki that I've been backing because it's, I mean, all the work I did for RetroRGBs on it. So, uh, you know, it's, I have faith in DERF and everything that's been going into this. So I just really hope that people start archiving all of this stuff because the original companies that made them are not, and they've long moved past this stuff. So anybody that needs not just spec sheets, but cap lists, uh, service manuals, certain part guides that you might need for it. All of that stuff's going to be gone unless we archive it. So um, respectfully, I would like to ask anybody who can to contribute. And even if it's as simple as I've recapped one TV once, cool, you're still, your information is still important. So just make that, take that cap list that you hopefully made and then upload it right to the wiki and put a little note. I've only done one of these. Here's my motherboard revision. Here's the model number. Maybe yours will be different. Maybe I made a mistake, but you know, as long as you're honest about that, that's cool. That's the jumping ground for the next person who hopefully then would swing back around and edit that page to say, you know, uh, this is tested by two people, both with this board and, and, uh, 
in TV revision, it all works fine. So good question. Um, I'll leave a link to, to the direct CRT part of consolemods.org, but hopefully people could jump on and, and really start to make that the go-to for archiving this info. And hey, you know, if Andy ever feels like yeah, he's always welcome to merge his info in or keep it separate. I mean this with love. I don't really care. As long as the info is out there, I am very appreciative of it. Adam Adamant has a GameCube related question, and I'm not quite sure I'm understanding it. So I'm going to give it my best shot. If I, even if I get it wrong, maybe it'll help somebody else in the wrong scenario for Adam, but the one I'm talking about. And, you know, sorry in advance, Adam, if I'm not getting this right. But I believe that Adam has a model GameCube without a digital port. So they installed one of the internal digital mods for it. So that way you could still get HDMI without any of the plug and play devices, and you could still utilize the model that doesn't have the digital port. So cool, except a lot of monitors are not compatible with the enhanced DVI mode that has the audio on the HDMI line. So do I know of a good product that might combine that so that they could take the analog left-right audio out of the SNES multi-out and combine it with the HDMI output? And I think there's stuff on Amazon that could do that. If I if I purchase one in the past, I'll leave a link. Um, but those aren't cheap. I think those are like 40 or 50 bucks, which I guess if you're an audiophile, that's cheap. But you know, I, I like those $20 devices for stuff like that. But that might be, a, depending on your setup and depending on what you like messing with, that might be a cool thing to buy that would end up a tool in your toolbox. But if you could never think of another scenario in which you might use that, forget it. Um, don't worry about that. So you could give that a try. You could try to give audio extractors a try. So you go from HDMI uh, to, into one of these and then try still sending the signal out. You could try to use a splitter. Sometimes those buffer the signal and change it in a way, especially if it's a splitter or if it's a switch that has any dip settings on it so that you tell your TV it's one and it sends something else. So that's, you know, one of the millions of reasons why I love those HDMI adapters. And I keep telling people that might end up a tool, not not a device you use all the time. So I'll leave a link to that HDMI shootout video I did just, just in case for that one. Um, and then next, you said if if that isn't something that could be done, is there an alternative to the Carby they could use that's capable of getting the audio without enhanced DVI mode? So I think you mean... What if you just sold your GameCube with your HDMI mod in it, got another GameCube with a digital port and bought a Carby for it? Is there a device like that that could do it? And no, not at the moment. They're still all based off of GC video, so they're all relatively going to work the same. So you would still have that issue. Uh, now, who knows what's coming out in the future, but with the part shortage, anything that was planned is at least a year from now, I would assume, or more. That's just a guess, of course, but it's, you know, it's a guess based in quite a bit of, uh, of of being in this myself with a lot of projects I'm working on. So, yeah, that's kind of how I would go about doing it is look for the audio combiners or, or see if you could get one of those switches or HDMI splitters or, or something to work with it, especially if you already have one laying around. You never know. Um, if you weren't gaming, if you were just streaming, that would actually be a good use for those uh, SCAR to HDMI adapters because it could re rebuffer the signal like that. But yeah, I would just start with a uh, combiner and see where you go. And please correct me if I totally got your question wrong. 
JQs wants to know if it's safe to use Extron crosspoint switches with consumer CRTs and component video. And the answer is with component video, yes, that should be completely fine. Whatever goes in should come out. So it should be totally safe. Um, the reason Jake is asking that question is because the sync output of those switches is usually higher on the RGBS sync pin. It usually outputs a voltage where you would need a resistor in line. So going to any SCART device, including PAL consumer CRTs with a SCART port on it, you have to have a resistor in line. But when you're talking about component video, regardless of standard NTSC, PAL, whatever, you should never need to worry about that. It should just be whatever voltage in is out and you don't have to worry about over voltage going to your set. So excellent question, but yep, go right ahead. Benny's got an interesting issue that I have a temporary solution for as well as some potential more permanent solutions going forward. So here's the overview. Benny's got a BVM D14H5U, which is a beautiful monitor, but the H letter designates basically that it's going to be a royal pain in the ass with sync. I own two D9Hs, and I owned a D14H that my friend Wes now has. He loves that monitor. I also loved it. It's a gorgeous monitor, except it is super picky with sync. And the main issues that there really aren't easy workarounds for are the PC engine. And that's exactly what Benny's trying to do. So the workaround or one of the many workarounds is to go from analog to digital to analog. And you could do that with the OSSC, with any of the RetroTINK 2X products that offer pass-through. Uh, and I think there, there's potentially a few other ways to go about doing that. But what I suggest looking into, since you mentioned you already have a RetroTINK 2X multi-format, it's going into that than using a cheap HDMI to VGA converter. And you mentioned you have the VGA 129X card, that's Martin's, which has the sync combiner built in. So you should be able to just connect all of that up without any issues. Now, um, there's a few other things to note about that. First, you said you're willing to buy something expensive if it'll just plain work. That's kind of what I was ranting about in the podcast this week about the analog to HDMI, which was an open source project that ManCloud ended up uh, kind of redoing for Jan for consoles for you into a really cool piece of equipment. And I was ranting about how we need the opposite in HDMI to analog as well. So hopefully that'll come out at some point in the future. But to be honest, I think this is one of the perfect use cases for that $8 converter I put on Amazon, because you don't need audio, because you wouldn't want to go from analog to digital to analog again, or you could just split audio with a Y cable, because remember, Y cable audio with audio is safe, not with video. So in that case, you could just use this HDMI to VGA converter to go directly into the 129X, and then just also route audio directly to wherever you're putting that. So that cheapest one would probably be the best solution for you. And I think it's 10 bucks or less. That's also one that I use with the time sleuth in all resolutions. So 240p should work. I'm not sure if the sync combining circuit built into Martin's card is going to work well with that, but it's so cheap. That's one of those things I would confidently tell you to just buy because you're definitely going to use it at another point. So 
My short-term solution for you is spend the 10 bucks, buy one of those, and see if you could make it working. But there's a few other things to talk about. First, Miss Mad Lemon did a video a couple years ago about this exact monitor and this exact problem, and she built a custom circuit that smoothed out the sync for use with this monitor. Now, with all respect to Maddie, I don't know if I would use that with any other console. So you could build a custom cable, you could build a custom breakout board where it goes from PC Engine into this, into your crosspoint. So that is the only thing using it. Because with a monitor that's so finicky with sync, you don't want to introduce anything anything that could mess with other consoles. So that's another solution you might want to look into that could potentially be a permanent solution for you. And if you have a SCART cable, like if you've RGB modded it, then having a SCART to BNC breakout board with that circuit built in might be a fun project for you to build. So I'll leave a link to that. But all of these problems could be solved if the analog cleaner was finished and released, which is a project I've been working on for years with a bunch of different people. And with all respect to you, me, and all other H-Series owners, it keeps getting pushed aside because bigger projects that affect more people are taking precedence to it. So that's one of those things where I hope people swing back around to it and finish it, because while it won't sell thousands, the people that do buy it will really, really appreciate it, because it should fix things like this. So hopefully people get around to it. I think with the part shortage, this kind of works both for and against us. Because if let's say, for example, there's a company out there that's having a hard time selling the products that they already make, but the parts are available for something like this, now would be the time to finish it and sell it. But if it's just as much of a pain to get these parts as the rest, it's going to get pushed back again. So hopefully that was a good overview. Uh, and hopefully I gave you at least one or two potential solutions for right now. But I do really hope that some kind of analog cleaner device is released eventually that'll solve this and quite a few other issues. Jason Guffey had a couple of questions. First of all, they want to know if I have much interest in retro PCs. I talk about them a lot, but usually because of news or guests with an interest in them. They remember me saying my dad used to let me play with his Tandy 1000, and it was quite the learning experience. I also had a TRS-80 color computer too. Uh, so, and also, what advice do I have for people just getting into them? Well, first, I think retro PCs are awesome. And I love learning about them. I love watching my friends' videos on them. I love that nostalgia trip that I get when I'm thinking about them. But as with everything that I choose to put here, it all comes down to me personally for what I would actually use, whether it was as a tool for retro RGB work or to actually sit down and enjoy. And when it comes to retro PCs, like Justin, aka the Goodwill Hunter, a friend of mine, has that old Tandy 1000 that my, my dad had. And I would love to set that up but I would probably turn it on once a year. I would love listening to the sound of the computer turn on and the beep and the disk drives going. It would be such a cool and fun nostalgic experience, but at the end of the day, I would really just then go emulate whatever it is that I was trying to use. Um, so I hope that is not insulting the people who are into retro PCs. It's just, you know, some people like metal, some people like country. It doesn't make one person better than the other. And that's kind of my take on it is I think they're awesome, but I love the nostalgia trip of it, which is why I love discussing them and I love watching the videos on them. I like, like it more so than actually using them. So um, for me personally, 
I, I think I would stick to emulation. However, the advice I have for people just getting into it is the same advice I would give anybody starting anything retro. Get the cheapest or freest thing you could possibly find. Get any old PC, ask around, see if somebody's got them laying in their basement or any companies have stockpiles of them. Whatever you can get for free, start out. Because this way, if you do it and you're like, eh, that wasn't for me, cool, right? You're, you're not really out much but some time and it was a learning experience. Or maybe you would go through the same thing that I went through where it's like, oh, this is so amazing. This is it reminds me of this and and you put it in your basement and only turn it on once a year. Or maybe that sparks an interest and maybe you go down a rabbit hole and now you're a retro PC collector and it becomes a hobby. So free is always the best price because there aren't really consequences other than time spent. And if that's something you're interested in anyway, that's worth it. Next, do I have much interest in modern gaming? What types of current games, if any, have I seen that actually appealed to you and why? Or why don't most other games interest you at all? They know the site isn't contemporary RGB, although that would be a neat alternative. And they remember me enjoying Cruising Blast and Metroid Dread, but do any non-retro inspired modern games interest you at all? So this is an interesting question because my favorite style games are 2D side-scrollers, but if something's a 2D side-scroller, is that necessarily retro-inspired, or is that just a style of game? So if you want to say it's retro-inspired, then then yes, I, that would you know that makes the question easier because there's not much that interests me as much as that. Um, but if not, that's just the style of game I like. Also, Cruise and Blast is a perfect example of like the arcadey style games that I I always like those regardless on what platform they come out on. Um, but generally speaking. Those are my favorites, like any kind of arcade style or or any kind of 2D or top-down game like Metroid and Zelda. Uh, but the other types of games I, I like, but the reason most don't interest me is time spent. Because time is the one thing I have the least of. Like I bought that beautiful guitar, and the only time I played it was on that stream, and I, I just got to make time. So I see a lot of these modern games that are like 100-plus-hour games, and I just laugh. Like, I... It would take me years to finish that game. But the one that has always caught my eye is The Last of Us, because I did play it on PS3, and I liked it. But there were some control issues that I just found annoying that no one else did, apparently. And there were some scenes where it's just like, you know, it's kind of hard to tell where you're supposed to go, because while the graphics were good, you know, it was still in that transition between making 3D graphics look good enough and the way they look today. So... If I could play one current game right now, I would get a PS5 and play The Last of Us Part 1. It looks gorgeous. I watched the DF Retro video on it or the Digital Foundry video. I'll link that for anybody who's just even slightly curious because that's a worthy watch right there. But um, yeah, I mean, really, I would love to get into all this stuff, but time is the biggest factor for me. And the time that you need to dedicate to them is definitely an issue. So that's that's the number one thing for me. But yeah, maybe someday I'll get a chance to play the re, you know the remastered second time Last of Us and kind of go from there. Um, but you know who knows? Maybe a, a new game will come out and it'll just push me to start playing more modern stuff. But for now, I think I my you know the game I play more than all other games put together is still the 240p test suite because I do spend most of my time testing and working on projects and trying to make everybody else's gaming experience better. But if I do get to sink into another game, I'll do another live stream like I have been, because I did really enjoy those.
Well, that's it for this week. So what do you think of the audio? Does this sound better than last week's? It's almost the exact same setup of background noise. I'm just using the RTX voice via NVIDIA broadcast versus uh, doing it all in post-processing. So definitely let me know what you think. I just always want these to sound as good as possible. And I always appreciate the feedback as well. So thank you all very much. And I'll see you next week.